Ask a VC by Ryan Floyd. Thoughts on venture capital and growing your SaaS startup. Hey, everyone. My name is Ryan Floyd. I'm a managing director at Storm Ventures. We're an early stage B2B-focused venture fund. Welcome to the new episode of my podcast series, Ask a VC, where I give advice to you to help you grow your SaaS business, similar to what I'd be sharing with you if I was an investor or advisor on the board of your company. I originally recorded most of these episodes as videos, which you can see on my YouTube channel, Ask a VC. So as a result, please excuse any visual references in the podcast, though I don't think there are many. I hope you enjoy. Today, since I have my partner Pascal with me, we're going to pull back the curtain a little bit uh, on Storm and talk a little bit about how we think about making decisions, what the process is like, um, and some things that may not be obvious to you as entrepreneurs and founders when you interact uh, with a firm like Storm. All right, so first, let me let Pascal tell you her story because it's really interesting. Uh, she joined us about five years ago, and then we'll talk a little bit more about uh, our process. Hey, everybody. My name is Pascal Jen. As Ryan mentioned, I joined Storm Ventures five years ago. Um, I have an accent. You probably heard it. I, um, I was born in France, grew up in France, got my in a small town in the north of France called Lille. And I got my uh, master's degree in France and ended up doing my internship in the U.S. in Silicon Valley, working for a European telco called Orange. And they have an innovation center in San Francisco. And I kind of built my career there uh, until I built an accelerator of Orange called Orange Fab in 2014. And a bunch of startups went through my accelerator and some of them got funding through Storm Ventures. One of them is called TalkDesk. And basically that kind of got us to talk and, and you know, Storm Ventures mentioned that they would love to have me join the team. And it was an interesting process to get to know the VC world and this kind of mysterious world where it's always kind of unclear what's happening behind closed doors. So we'd love to tell you more. <laughs> not on purpose, <laughs> not on purpose, but it is. It's, yeah, it's a little mysterious. So yeah, we'd love to tell you more. What's happening after you got your first meeting with the VC? What are we talking about? What, you know, what, why are we asking you all these questions? And I also wanted to have Pascal on today because she's going to be co-hosting some of these Ask a VC episodes uh, in the future. So this is a great way for you all to get to know her uh, and, and Storm and a great way to kick that off. So I think, you know, probably first, like this, the process, we get asked the question like yeah. all the time, like, you know, how does it work? How do we make decisions? How um, long does it take to get to a term sheet? How long does it take, yeah, yeah, to a term sheet? And I always struggle because I want to get like the, the, the question of like, how long does it take to get a term sheet? Let's start with, start with that. I always struggle because I'd love to give a really crisp answer mm -hmm. uh, and say, it's going to take six days and this is exactly the four things that we need to do. But unfortunately, it always feels like it, I can't give a crisp answer because you don't really know because it depends on, uh, on what the entrepreneur, the entrepreneur, on how quickly they make introductions, how clean is the material they give us. So it's it's kind of a two way street kind of right. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And my default on that, and I would tell every founder entrepreneur what they should do is just expect transparency. So what I try to do, even though, um, uh, you know, I can't predict how long it's going to take is at least just say, you know, you can always ask me how long or where we are in the process, what am I thinking, you know, so that people can all, I try to check in and like always reveal kind of where we are. Um, and that I can promise people. Like I can always tell people exactly what I'm thinking, uh, but rather than giving it to strict, That's you right. know, uh, a right. timeline in terms of what's going on. And what you said is right, like, you know, like the, like just the material that people yeah. give us, it's all over the map sometimes. Yeah. 
um, that may require us to do more work to figure something out. Yeah, and, and sometimes it relies on other people. We need to do customer calls, reference calls, like how available are going to be these people, these customers, these ex-mentors you're going to refer us to when we're trying to understand a bit more who you are. Yeah, I mean, like the customer calls, maybe that's a good one to like just go a little deeper on. Because I think founders get nervous all the time about, you know, how we're going to reference, why we want to do customer calls. From from our standpoint at Storm, and I can't represent all venture firms, so so we'll just talk about Storm. The sole reason we want to talk to customers is really, you know, I guess two 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 reasons. One is we just want to, you know, understand why they buy, what the value is, and really try to see it through their eyes. But we're not trying to ask them dirt on the company or like have you know there ever been any issues. We're not trying to throw you under the bus with the customer because. We really respect the fact that it's hard to get customers and so we want to be respectful of that and um from a reputation standpoint it would i mean it would just be terrible if we yep. you know i don't know said said things that were negative or whatever in those customer calls um so so that's really you know those are the reasons we're really trying to to talk to customers and understand more and we also really try to validate outside of their customer base uh, right. right, with people in our yeah. network, because all we do is B2B SaaS, so we know lots of people we can talk to usually about any given so, solution. Absolutely, so whatever logos you're gonna put in your deck with customers, existing customers, and you're going to introduce us to two of them, expect us to maybe try to talk to our customers on the list you did not introduce us to, but that we know. And that's fair game. We're trying to understand really what is the value the customer are finding, and you know, the good and the bad customer. And we understand some customers might not be as happy as others, but it's it's important for us to really fully understand the value they get, the use case they are um, using your, your, your product for, and um, how they think about ROI. It's very important for us because that ROI is really what's going to determine the future of the business of the company. And by, by getting a hold of people that we know, rather than introductions that a founder has to make, it saves you from having to burn equity uh, to make those introductions so that we can kind of use our own equity with the customers and the people that we know um, to help understand the story. And that also made me think, um, and this is a constant kind of discussion internally at Storm, is like, when is it appropriate to call customers? Um, I would tell you as a founder, if after a first meeting with a venture investor, they ask for your customer list and want to call your customers, you should just run the other direction. Because it's just, it's inappropriate. They're not at a point yet that it really makes sense, at least I think, to be calling you know, your customer base. There's so much work that Pascal and I and our team would do just to prepare to have those customer calls to make them meaningful. Uh, you know, after our first meeting, we're just not ready, right? And I, and I think it's, I don't think there's anything nefarious when uh, uh, you know, venture investors maybe ask for that, but I wouldn't put the burden on your customers to teach us about the business. That's something that we need to figure out how to do our own, you know, with you as a founder and with our, with our own, yep, our own network, true. right? I would say, so if we take a step back and, you know, you get your first meeting with a VC, what are we going to ask and ask usually? We're going to ask, I, I usually want to ask financials, high level, high level financials. I'm not, I'm not trying to get all the details, but like we need enough to get the growth rates, kind of like really understanding if the direction of the company is the right one, if we get excited. If the financials gets us excited, then we will dig deeper. Maybe have you talked to somebody in our network, like uh, somebody who knows the space better than we do right. to get that. Right. So financials, call with an expert. Um, if that all adds up, maybe have the, the entrepreneur talk to the partnership. Yep. 
So you will be on a Monday, usually <laughs> a Monday, <laughs> uh, you're going to be asked to talk to the rest of the team. Because again, taking a step back, our role as, as a VC, like we're not making decisions on our own. We're a team of five, four or five. Right. And our role, if you love your, your company, is to convince the rest of the team that your company is amazing. So that's why that process happens. Like we want you to talk to the rest of the company. We already pitched you to the rest of the of the partnership, telling everybody how much we love your business and we believe in it and we think we should dig deeper. But now we want them to be convinced too. So there's a high chance that if you talk to me and I want to introduce you to partnership, I'm going to coach you through that process. But you have to talk to the rest of the partnership. Usually it's hard to get a term sheet without that step. Yeah, in our case. And that's probably true of most, I think most, so. yeah. most venture funds. Yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, just to go back to what you said about the financials, you know, what gets us excited? That The answer to that question is going to be different depending on which venture firm you're talking to. I mean, in our case, yeah. you know, we're investing typically in companies that have a half a million to a million of ARR and are growing. And it's sort of like a, a baseline expectation in terms of the companies that we're looking to invest in. And it's, you know, it's nothing to say that if you don't have that, you don't have a phenomenal potential for your business. It's just not in our strategy in terms of what we're trying to do. Um, you know, as you know, as a fund. So, you know, we want to see some of that up front. And, you know, and this is I've put out videos on this before, you will find investors, you know, they want to hear a story, they want to understand the product. But, you know, investors are also, you know, financially minded. I mean, it's our it's our job. It's what we do. So, you know, if you do have a good business that you can represent with customers and revenue, it really makes sense to put a thoughtful set of financials together, whether it's in your deck or separately, because I've just found generally that's a really quick way to get people excited about your business, especially as Pascal just said, when it comes to a broader partnership, right? Because the, when you're going to present in front of, you know, if, if I get excited about a company and I've spent a bunch of time understanding the opportunity and the founders hours, and then I pull you in to sort of understand, you know, to try and get the rest of the partnership on board, you've only going to have an hour or something. Yep. And so you, you almost got to kind of cut right to what's going to get you excited. And, you know, and while, you know, we have a lot of mutual respect for one another. And if I say something's exciting, Pascal's going to take the meeting and vice versa. Getting her excited about your opportunity without having spent the amount of time maybe that I have, you just want to be really succinct, right? About, you know, really, really getting to it. And that's part of the coaching process too, exactly. in terms of like, yeah. you know, what's going to resonate from the partnership standpoint. And I tell you, you know, use founders, if, the partner that's bringing you in front of the partnership doesn't coach you. I think you can, that's a, that's a fair game question to ask, right? Like, yeah. Hey, what resonates well with the partnership? Like what advice would you give yeah. me? And just, I think yeah. put that out on the open, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, most of the time, you know, you already kind of know the pushback you're going to expect from the partnership. It's probably been discussed the week prior or the days prior. And so you kind of want to prepare the entrepreneur a little bit. So if, if you're a champion within the firm, really does a good job, they will tell you, this is what we think, you know, there's going to be some tough questions. You should get ready for that. Maybe, you know, pull a, the financials in the middle of the pitch because I got questions on like your burn or your gross margin. Let's, let's, let's have you kind of tackle that uh, instead of like doing your regular pitch and then, you know, waste some time of having, you know, the partners and the rest of the team asking you these tough questions at the end. Let's tackle that right away. So that's kind of the, the, giving you a heads up on, on worst is the partnership kind of like asking, wondering, like what's going on with your business? Yeah. And so, I mean, in terms of that process, then, so you go, we go in front of the, you know, I'm trying to think, you know, you go, you know, in terms of a founder perspective, you go in front of the partnership, 
And then, you know, usually then there's still a couple of questions that we get back, right, from the team that, right. that throw back to us to say, hey, I'm concerned about, like you're just saying, like gross margin maybe, or I'm concerned about a growth. And that sure. usually then drives some additional questions because the whole, because the whole point, at least the way I kind of think about it as the partnership is, um, you know, we push each other uh, to like see things that maybe are blind spots, things that we wouldn't maybe otherwise see or things that we miss. Mm -hmm. Like we, you know, sometimes I know what happens to me. I get excited about an opportunity. I meet a founder. I love the story. And, um, and I want to believe, I want to believe. And, 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 and then sometimes, you know, I can, you know, maybe I'm not looking at something that I should be um, subconsciously. And, and, and then the partnership, that's kind of the role of the partnership, exactly. right? Is to, is, exactly. to, is to press on those things. Okay. And that's why it's called, we're all called partners. Is like, we help each other, see what the other one doesn't see. Sometimes you're blindsided, you're so excited, but you completely missed XYZ risk or, or threat or competition. And so we're kind of reminding each other, hey, you know, that sounds great. Like, have you looked at that? Have you looked at this? Um, and I think that's great. And that's why partnership works. Because, right. Well, yeah. 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 I mean, and, you know, and that reminds me, I mean, you think about when we talk, I think about these partner meetings that we have where, you know, we'll bring up a company and someone else in the partnership that hasn't even met them will say, I know so-and-so, or I know this company that's similar to them. And, and that collective wisdom and knowledge base that we have as a group is what definitely helps drive us to, you know, make, yep. you know, more informed decisions, probably better decisions too. Um, you know, we don't, we don't at the same time, we're not making uh, unanimous partnership decisions that's about right. uh, what we're going to invest in. Um, you know, maybe that's a good thing to sort of like just touch it because yeah, it's like, absolutely. it's so confusing. Like, how do you, yeah. how do you vote? Do you make, yeah. How, how do you make you, that decision? Yes. Uh, that's a very good point. I, I think, you know, uh, five years in the firm, Ryan started the firm over 20 years ago. Um, for our part, I was surprised to feel like, you know, as, as a, I would call that myself a junior partner, being able to feel like the rest of the team is supporting me. The question that I've been asked and not question to dismiss my passion or try to, to get me to not invest are questions I get to make sure that the money we're going to invest in your business actually is going to return more money. Right. Right. And, and it's, it's, it, it, you know, once you, you get some experience in the, in the, in the VC world, like, like myself, then you get to a point where when you feel very strongly about a company and maybe somebody else in the partnership doesn't, but it's supportive. So they're going to ask me the tough questions. I will answer with a lot of sincerity. Um, I would make inf I would make a lot of calls, try to answer that question, but a lot of questions cannot always be answered, right? But I will do as much as I can, as much homework as I can to kind of like think through that potential threat for the business, that potential question on the future of the business. And usually, you know, I can go across the finish line and make that investment. It's, it's amazing, I think, at Storm that, you know, we don't have a voting system at our part. And I would tell you, every partnership is probably going to be a little bit different in terms of how these decisions are, are made. We're, one of the things, you know, we're a relatively small fund. We just closed a $200 million fund seven. Um, and one of the luxuries of having a relatively small partnership, um, you know, not to mention we don't have any politics really internally, but we also don't have to have these kind of complex decision-making mechanisms or voting or, or whatever. Um, but we don't at the same time make decisions by consensus. So one of the things I think that's really, you know, challenging, uh, you know, as a, as a partner at a firm is at least at Storm is, you know, when you present an opportunity, like we were just talking about, you're constantly getting challenged on things that like, you know, maybe you didn't see or recognize and it feels a little lonely. Uh, actually, at least it does to me, even after 22 years, it feels a little lonely sometimes making an investment because you do want 
each partner to have accountability. And I think this is important for founders and entrepreneurs that are raising money. Whoever uh, that person is that's going to be writing the check, I mean, they're really your champion. And, and they're the ones who are kind of kind of carry you through and it's kind of going on their permanent record, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of important to understand that because I, I don't know of any firm that makes kind of group decisions uh, around, you know, how they're going to invest because uh, that group mentality usually leads to, you know, bad investment outcomes. So there is this kind of individual accountability, but we kind of have this balance at Storm where we want to also make sure when we do invest that the whole team is behind the investment. In fact, you know, in terms of process, we all sign the check effectively That's right. uh, when we invest because we want to make sure it's not like Pascal's deal or Ryan's deal. You know, we all want to be, you know, in it together and be supportive because once we invest, we are, I mean, our economics are tied together and we're all yeah. in it, we're, we're in it together. So, Absolutely. so then we want to make everybody, uh, everybody successful. And I think it, it, it definitely helps that we're a smaller team. And again, I think it's very specific to Storm Ventures, you know, small investment team decisions are made faster. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. So we talked about customer call, backdoor customer calls. Talked about financials. Mm -hmm. We talked about um, the partnership meeting mm -hmm. on Monday, um, and so what else? So we have the reference calls. So when a reference call is asked to you, it's usually somebody you want to talk to who's known you, maybe an ex mentor or a mentor, an ex boss, an ex coworker, um, and and that reference call is really about trying to understand who you are as an individual. What is, you know, your personality? What drives you? How do you react in the team? How do you do you take leadership? Like, how, what is your style, your management style? And and you probably heard that before too, is like, are you coachable? And that's also a lot of VC are trying to, to, to diligence for that. Like, do you take a feedback? Do you follow, you know, not directions, but like, do you take advice? Do you have an open mind when it comes to growing a company? Uh, and that's And that's really what reference calls are or like customer call though, um, whoever we know in common with you on LinkedIn um, that you haven't mentioned, we might hit them up, give them a call, you know, and, and try to really understand if, if whatever we've heard from the reference you mentioned to us also adds up with maybe other people we know in common with you. Yeah, and I'd say actually to touch on the references, um, you know, that may not be totally obvious that I think sometimes at the seed stage, you know, when it's really early and you're only raising a bit of money, a couple hundred thousand dollars, you know, it's a substantial amount of money, but it's not, you know, millions and millions of dollars. You know, I think people are willing to take a lot more risk and references may be harder to get. You know, you may not have been a CEO before, which is certainly not a requirement to raise any money at all. But as you get to the A round and maybe even the B round before the business has really blossomed and you're raising bigger rounds, I think those references become more important because you're kind of entering a new phase in terms of really building the business where, um, you know, people want to have confidence in sort of how an entrepreneur is going to be thinking about scaling and, and how they're going to be treating their people and how they're going to be thinking about culture. Because, you know, culture is just it's, it's so it's so, so critical to that. to building. I mean, it's critical to storm. Uh, I mean, it, I mean, I uh, it, it, maybe that's a topic for another video, but I mean, culture is so important that, uh, you know, we really want to try to understand, you know, what kind of business this person is going to bring. And when I say culture and the, and, and the entrepreneur, I don't mean that there's a right and a wrong, um, because that's certainly not, not true. There's lots of different ways to build lots of amazing businesses with different styles and strategies. And I think at Storm, we try to adapt to 
uh, the founder and the entrepreneur rather than being prescriptive and saying, you know, you've got to go, got to go do it this way. Um, but we do want to know that people are, you know, coachable. We want to know that, you know, we're going to be partners with a founder going forward. That's probably the best way to kind of describe it, right? That they're, you know, they're going to be willing to work with us going forward and for a long time, for a so, long time, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for a long time. That's right. And there's a company, I think I've done a video on a splash top. I've been on the board there for 17 years. Uh, so, you know, you can end up, uh, working <laughs> with people for a very, yeah, very long time. Absolutely. Yeah. And one, you know, one of the things, uh, that the pandemic really, uh, wrecked was our ability to spend time with, with the, people yeah. right before, before we invest. Yeah we, um, yeah. we usually like, like, even like having a dinner in person dinner with an entrepreneur we're thinking of, of, of backing, uh, tells a lot how you behave with the staff, how you talk to the waitress, like. How do you, I don't know, like, yeah. uh, th those yeah. are small details that are very, very meaningful for us that we like to pick on and just, just, just making sure that who we're going to spend a long time with in the future is somebody we align values with yeah, and sure, yeah. feel like, yeah, we, we, we share, you know, ethics and, and, and feel confident that they can, they can grow a team in a healthy culture, um, retain talents. Uh, and and be able to to get to that category leader uh, that we talk about a, about a lot at strong ventures. And I mean the flip side is true too for founders and entrepreneurs. I mean using that opportunity of like FaceTime and even referencing venture investors with other companies that we've invested in and understanding what our style is and making sure that you feel comfortable that it's gonna you know match with yourself. It's definitely a two way street. You know I tell founders all the time you should exercise us in the process. Uh, with questions, you know, challenges to the business, which are good kind of uh, early ways to understand how we're going to want to interact and, and talk about, I mean, you know, because some uh, investors are going to be more prescriptive and be more like, this is absolutely what you should do. You know, others are going to be maybe more consultative. Um, there's going to be some that have, you know, a ton of domain expertise. There's going to be some that are more financially minded. All those styles can work. It's really a question for you as a founder entrepreneur, what, you know, what's going to work best with you and what are you most comfortable with? Because yeah, as Pascal just said, I mean, it's a long, yeah, it's a it's long, long relationship. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it definitely should be a two way, a two way street. That's right. Okay. And so what have we not talked about? So I, the, the question we get to is when we get closer to the term sheet. So we've done all the call, reference call, customer call, partnership, everything adds up, you know, we're happy. We want to move forward. Then we're probably going to start like, trying to get a sense of the valuation and you know before giving the term sheets and that's probably going to be a back and forth before you know we go ahead and and, and send you the email with the attachment where you're going to get all the good, good stuff that, that that is in the term sheet um and so usually you know uh it's probably going to be tiptoeing around like what was your last valuation if you raise a seed trying to understand what the market is like you know and what's the multiple and then try to together kind of get to a point where we don't want to offend you, but we also don't want, uh, you know, once upon a time, it was a hundred X of, of the, of the AR. Like, so that's where the back and forth is going to happen. And I think, um, and I think, yeah. And then I think you, 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 at some point you'll get a term sheet. So, so yeah, yeah. So you made to pull on a couple of things. So yeah. like, it's a great point about like, you know, we ask about what your last valuation was. It's an important in a cap table. It's important for us to understand because we don't want to, uh, we we want to make it work for everybody. We want everybody to be happy and understanding where your last valuation was and what that cap table looks like in terms of ownership is really important. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we'll look at a cap table, hopefully early in the process, but sometimes it happens, you know, uh, later than we'd like. And ownership is just wildly skewed. Or maybe there's a founder that owned half the company that left 
a year ago. I mean, that those are challenges that, you know, uh, we want to understand and it speaks to kind of valuation and, you know, what we need to, you know, what we need to think about there. And I, I think valuation for us has a lot to do about thinking about subsequent rounds and us really generating the investment return that we're trying to underwrite uh, our, our deals to. And it's not us trying to take advantage or, you know, uh, I, I don't know, uh, flatten uh, entrepreneurs. It just has to do with, you know, I think what we believe uh, the opportunity set looks like and, you know, what we're comfortable doing. We often talk about internally, you know, we want to really believe, for example, I don't think we're unique here. We want to believe that whatever money we're going to invest at whatever valuation, that when you're going to go out and raise again in 12 to 18 months, that you're going to be able to raise it two to three times where we invested. Um, because there's a lot of risk that we're going to take with that capital. And we want to believe that you're going to be able to grow the business and then, you know, garner that interest for that, that subsequent round. And if, and if the valuation's too high, you can't grow in that valuation. You can't grow in. And I mean, especially now with what's happened in the market, I mean, yeah. it's just, it, it presents not only a massive risk to us and our investment, but, but, but honestly, you, it's for, yeah. for the founders, it's, you know, it's tough because no, nobody wants to do a down round. Absolutely. Yeah. If you can grow in that valuation, like, yeah, down round, flat round, disappointments, um, stress. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's a good, good, good points on, you know, valuation and turning. And that, and that is, I think, you know, Oftentimes people think that we're negotiating uh, on when we're asking questions about valuation. And, um, you know, eventually it is a negotiation and, you know, there's no hiding from that. It's it's uh, it's probably the, the part I like least about the whole process because it's really the, when we're investing in, especially around valuation, it's really the one and only time that we're sitting on the opposite side of the table from uh the founders that we work with uh at least immensely that's how i sort of think about it and so it's an it's it's awkward for us too or at least for me it's not it's not it's not the part of the process that i enjoy the most but having transparency in the numbers and 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 being clear about it um i think will drive the best process you know when people play the, the other example and i know this has happened to you too when people play games with like valuation and our in our and are kind of, um, you know, trying to hide the ball and don't want to really be forthcoming. Um, it makes it tough on it. it, it you know, it just makes it tough because it, it makes us less confident about um, really what will work, you know, what we're willing to do. And um, and certainly from going back to what we we're talking about from a partnership standpoint, you know, when we talk about, you know, everybody understands the numbers. The other thing everybody in the partnership understands is valuation, right? And those high order. So that's a very quick way for a partnership to really gun down a deal too. In fact, I'd probably say it's probably the number, it's probably the number one reason is if, you know, valuation expectations are so high, even if the business looks great, it can be really hard for the partnership to get excited about it just because it's, you know, so far out of bounds. Yeah, it can even almost make us question uh, a little bit of like the leader, like, like, is, is he being realistic? Like, right. Is, you know, it's right. How yeah, will that translate to yeah, like other business decisions and our yeah. business decision, the future of the relationship, you know, the transparency as we move forward in, in the deal and become partner, like what's going to happen. Right. So uh, we're not saying don't try to get a high valuation. It's right. more like, let's try to be realistic, align with the markets, uh, fair and well, and just yeah. do business. I mean, it's just, it's, yeah. it's just, it's just do business. And, and if, you know, if we, if we don't agree and see eye to eye ultimately on evaluation, you know, no harm, no foul. Yeah. It's it's uh it's certainly not personal, uh, and uh, and it's just you know it's just it's just business. But I think 
you know, like you were saying, it reveals other things sometimes mm-hmm. about the founder when they're kind of going through that. And it, and in, in, in an entrepreneur's defense, it's hard because it's not something that a founder does day in and day out. And, you know, Pascal and I have the advantage of this is what we do. This is what we do for a living. And so, you know, it's easier on us, but I can tell you from a storm standpoint, we don't try to have those valuation conversations where we're trying to put entrepreneurs at a disadvantage. We're not trying to take, we're not trying to take that knowledge we have and, 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 and put people on their, on their back foot. Um, because ultimately I think when we finally talk about valuation, I mean, we're serious about investing. Exactly. I mean, and, I, it's, I, yeah. and, and it's in our best advantage that everybody around the table is happy. Right. Like you don't want to enter right. a 15 year relationship <laughs> right. with somebody. Yeah, that's like, angry. Oh, I got, yeah, like, yeah. you know, I got taken advantage of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's absolutely not the intent. Yeah. The intent is really like to make it fair, to make it like, like everybody feels like it's, it's, it's going to work. It's, it's, everybody's kind of happy. That's, that's the goal. Yeah, I think that's really the last, yeah. the yeah. last step, really. Yeah. And then, you know, the term sheets these days, you know, they're very simple yeah. in terms of the process. I mean, you know, especially where we invest, there's really not a whole lot to it. And I've done other videos on terms in a term sheet, so we don't need to get into that now. But that really is the last kind of point yeah. in the process. And although that's not when the money gets wired to your that's account, right. <laughs> uh, because we still have to put the legal documents right. together, uh, the term sheet really is, I mean, that's the business agreement. And you know, that term sheet really is the point at which then, you know, we've got a handshake on getting something done and uh, the partnerships in line. And then it's really just driving to driving to close. Thank you, everyone, for uh, listening and, and, and watching this. Um, it was fun kind of riffing yes. back and forth. It was a little it was a little different. Um, let us know what you thought in the in the in the comments and 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 questions, you know, follow up with us and let us know. Well, hopefully we'll do you know, we'll do more of this to try and, you know, again, give you more insights and um, and, and knowledge from, you know, kind of from our point of view is, is you all try to go build, uh, you know, your, your business. Thanks for listening. If you found it interesting, please subscribe. If you like it, make sure to share it with your friends. If you've got a suggestion for a topic for this podcast or even a video series, then tweet me. My handle's easy. It's Ryan Floyd, all one word. Or send me an email or even leave a comment on my YouTube channel. All right. Until next time. Thanks. Be safe. Thank you for listening. Visit YouTube.com, ask a VC for a video version of this podcast.